Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the Nightingale Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Nightingale's transfer correspondent Graham Bailey, Nightingale's top cat Toby Cudworth. We are one day away from the transfer window closing. We are bringing the show forward from our usual Friday slot because it's going to be absolute carnage on 90min.com uh, tomorrow. And I don't know how much time we will find to record this because things are kicking off already. We've got a packed show for you today. And we'll at, at some point after the window closes round up what the hell has actually happened in this window as well. I'm joined with Graham and Toby as per usual, as I mentioned. Toby, how is it going? Irons in the fire later in the show. Lots going on, isn't there? Not just involving West Ham. All the big clubs still looking, or seven eighths of the big clubs still looking to do business. Um, I think another reason we've wanted to do the show today is that it's so fast moving, right? If we if we dared to record on Friday morning, probably by the time this podcast drops, everything will be out of date. So uh, today is moving day. Yeah, it was, this is like day three of a um, of a major in golf. This is moving day where everything kind of falls into place, and then tomorrow it's all going to uh, unravel and uh, things are going to take us by surprise. Graham, we'll talk Ansu Fati later in the show, but on the last show, your tip for surprise late mover or something along those lines was Ansu Fati. Yeah, I was quite quite happy to see that one come about. We we had heard inklings from Spain that he was um, pushing for a move to England. Probably not the club we were expecting, um, but yeah, we had, had an inkling. We did indeed. Subscribe to the show on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on social media as well at double underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. For all the latest from us, the transfers will keep happening in the background after the transfer window closes. Uh, I know it'll go all a bit mad in the next 48 hours and this has been probably the maddest transfer window of them all. We have seen... That Moise Caicedo deal was a bit was a bit mad, one that we've seen Saudi Arabia introduced into the market with an absolute bang, and uh, yeah, plenty of Premier League spending as well. Follow all the latest from well over the next couple of days and beyond on nightimin.com, nightimin.com forward slash talking transfers. I know, as I just said, the window is closing, but that doesn't mean we don't stop talking about transfers after the window closes with the January one coming up in a few months. And nightimin at nightimin underscore football for all the latest from Nightingale on social media. Today we'll talk about João Polinia, Ryan Gravenberg, Sofian Amrabat, Romelu Lukaku joining Roma, Chelsea signing Cole Palmer. We'll talk about that. We'll talk Brennan Johnson, Connor Gallagher, Irons in the Fire, as I mentioned, and we'll do a little roundup towards the end uh, on Saudi Arabia. And at some point in the show, we'll talk Mo Salah as well. So keep locked in for what could, you know, it could, we could have a surprise. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. But let's start at the top with Bayern Munich, not an English club, obviously, but they are looking and have been looking into the English market all summer. They want João Polinia, Graham. Will they get him? The prevailing opinion is they will. Yeah. They've had, they've had a real encouragement over the last 48 hours or so um, to re-step up here. And and it's not dissimilar to the hurricane situation. We had that inkling, didn't we, all along, guys, that when, when buying a encouraged to do a deal, it means there's a deal there to be done. They're one of the canniest operators in the market. And that's what's happened here. We've seen that Fulham have already rejected inquiries, bids, 
all over summer for Paulina from West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal all showed interest in Paulina at some point. They said, no, we want 80 million. Now, our understanding is now that Paulinho, Paulinho has really had his head turned here. Why wouldn't you? By, by Munich, there's a chance to go and play for one of the best teams in Europe. And they're making a real goal for it with Harry Kane. They're going to be one of the favourites for the Champions League. Little doubt about it. We'll find out by in this pod who they'll be playing. It's a fascinating one. Um, the 80 million figures come down. Um, I think it was reported in Germany that they were looking at 60 million euros. That wouldn't get it done, which is about what just over 50 million pounds. We are told from sources that a bit of £60 million plus another 10 in add-ons taken to around £70 million, whether that's near over €80 million, Euros, that might be enough to get it done. And I know Fulham are working in the background on options. There's quite a few in France, um, players looking at and elsewhere. But yeah, there's a real feeling that Bayern are going to get this guy. We'll talk about how Bayern are planning to raise some funds in a second. Uh, but Graham, I'll come back to you. We have seen Bayern linked with, well, we've seen Bayern interest in, as I say, several Premier League players over the summer. Eric Dyer this week was a surprise link. Uh, Trevor Chalaber as well, we spoke about in recent weeks too. Uh, uh, Thomas Tuchel's wanted a six for as long as I can remember since he joined Bayern really. But are they planning on anything else on the incomings front around Eric Dyer or Chalaber? Well, possibly, yeah, because we have seen Benjamin Pavard obviously complete his move last night, yesterday, to, to Inter Milan. So there is options out there. Chalabar, they've held talks with Chelsea. They like him. Thomas Tuchel likes him a lot. Chelsea don't really want to loan him. They'd rather a permanent deal, but there is a price tag around £50 million, So that's ongoing. Um, by now, talking to Chelsea still. And they are still talking about Outdyer as well. Outdyer's been offered to them. Eddie is a tough one because we've seen a, a rejected bid from Burnley as well. When a player's in last year of his contract, it's quite tough to do a loan deal. It's basically giving him a free transfer, aren't you, or some sort of loan fee to get him out and he's not your player anymore. Eddie, as we said in the previous show, I think that he's happy to stay. He's going to have options in January, but he knows he's not going to play. And that is a big thing for some players. Now, it's our understanding that Harry Kane has delivered a glowing reference to his new employers about Eddie, a very close friend of his. I think he'd suit German football. I think you watched the last game, Toby, didn't you, against Augsburg? So you probably know more than better than me at the moment and how what German football's like. I haven't watched much of it since Harry Kane went. But I think Dyer would suit the Bundesliga. I think he'd suit there. And the thing with him, a bit like Chalabar, he can play a holding midfield. He can play a centre-half. He can play a full-back. So I can see why Chalabar and Dyer are both appealing to, to Bayern at this point in time. We know they're moving away from Bella Kotchup, who looks like he's going to Dortmund. So, yeah, I, I think one of these two, they've still got a chance. Obviously, Paulinho's the main point of interest about at the moment. They're trying to get that done. But Dyer and Chalabar are still there, and they're still looking at them too, especially for, in terms of defensive cover. Toby, in the absence of Sean Walsh, uh, is Eric Dyer falling upwards, if you guess this move? In a, well, in terms of club <laughs> stature, yes. Uh, we'll put it simply like that. I think Graham's right. I think Eric Dyer would suit Bundesliga football um that's not to say it's of a significantly lower standard but we know that football is played in a very different way over there lots of high lines Bayern obviously expect to dominate each and every game that they play in and I could see Dyer doing well in a team that's clearly better than <laughs> if all of the opposition that they come up against he has that positional versatility and I don't think he would look like a rabbit in the headlights covering at centre-back when needs be 
He could even fill in at right back occasionally, play in that six role. He wouldn't be a regular starter. I think that's worth mentioning. But it's a change of scenery. It's a chance to join the Bundesliga champions, one of the biggest clubs in Europe and indeed the world. His Spurs career has run its course now. Um, so I think that would be Dyer's number one option as well. I actually think he would jump at that move rather than wanting to see what his options were in January because I think Bayern might not be there in January, let's be honest. Um, so it's a move that would appeal to him. Makes sense for Thomas Tuchel to add depth to Bayern's squads because they clearly want to push for the Champions League. Um, but João Paulinho, I think, is a really interesting one, just on a side note. That's a lot of money. Graham touched on the fee. Fulham won. West Ham, don't forget, made a £60 million bid for João Paulinho. That was turned down. So that's the baseline. Bayern are going to have to go above that with the total package. And this is very un like behaviour, having already spent loads of money on Harry Kane to then go out and sign another player for that much money, having already brought Kim Min Jae in, don't forget, for lots for Napoli. So Bayern splashing the cash. Paulinho would join a defensive midfield group that includes Kimmich, Goretzka, Conrad Lyman, don't forget, went in uh, in the summer on a free transfer. Bayern are stacking up and they are stockpiling players, but clearly they want success in Europe, not just domestically. Arguably Bayern Munich having the transfer window that Man United should have had. Uh, we'll talk about them in a second anyway. That they I think one thing as well, that, that that real that relationship, Scott, that Dyer has with Kane, you know, if if I don't think we can provide keeping your star player happy, bringing one of his best friends in. If it's an opportunity there, to, to, to I think obviously he offer, as Toby said, he offers something as well, but I don't think that can be overlooked that you know, if you can help keep Kane happy as well, then it's two birds with one stone, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, let's talk. Well, you mentioned Graham. Uh, Pavard has joined Inter, so that is some money that Bayern are receiving. And uh, you've alluded to it. We we spoke about him a few times in recent podcasts and said there was interest from both United and Liverpool, but Liverpool was more advanced, and um, that's been the case for a little while. Ryan Gravenberg is is he on his way to Liverpool now? That that one seems to advance a little bit in the last twenty four hours. Yeah, it's one we, we've spoken a lot about, Ryan. It feels like we've spoken a lot, Scott, doesn't it? He's been linked to England since almost the day he went to Bayern. Um, from January onwards, he's been strongly linked to it. You know, it's a player out Ten Hag likes. It's one who United have considered. But Liverpool have been looking at him for a long time. We said a couple of weeks ago, keep an eye on Gavin Birch, because I was told that he was always on Liverpool's radar. You know, he wasn't at the top of the list. We know that. But I think the fact that now Bayern are talking to Liverpool sums up where it is. Um, they weren't really willing to talk about a deal but now the two clubs are in talks over a permanent deal. It's going to be a permanent deal because, you know, Bayern, they're not asking an awful lot of money here. They only paid, I think, looking back, less than £20 million for him. They want just over 20 to sell him now. I think it's I think it's a very good deal for Liverpool. I think it ticks a lot of boxes. I think it'll um, help plug a few gaps in there for Liverpool. And they're getting Endo and Gravenberch. You know, it's not Lavia and Caicedo, but I think they'll be happy with it. I, I like Gravenberch. I think he could come in and make, um, make an impact at Liverpool. I, I like this deal a lot. And for the money, you know what I mean? If, if when they come to, to maybe selling going back in a few years, if they do get him, it'll be a lot more than twenty million. What what can you buy in England for twenty million now? Not much. So I think it's a good deal for Liverpool. I believe um German source just told me that he wasn't at buying training today on Thursday. So I think we're in, we're in the end game now. I think the player ter- players terms already done. So yeah, as we said in the last pod, I think Gravenberch will be in England on Friday, Scott, and he will be with the team playing in red. <laughs> Uh, good value deal, Toby, isn't it? I mean, like, it's, it, if Bayern are letting go, 
I don't expect Liverpool would be paying much more than what Bayern have paid. It hasn't gone right for him, but still a good player. Absolutely. Netherlands international. Um, you don't get into their midfield unless you've got something about you. Just equating it to the British transfer market, we always bang on about inflated fees. Cameron Archer, the first one that's just sprung to my mind. 18.5 million Sheffield United have paid Aston Villa for him. He's an outstanding player. He is. Highly rated young prospect who's done nothing at Premier League level. And obviously we're talking about the same fee as Ryan Gravenberg, who's played for Ajax, starred in the Ajax team, gone to Bayern Munich, has played top level international football. Yeah, the transfer window in that sense is a little bit broken, isn't it? The, the, The money is bizarre. But for Liverpool, it's probably similar to Lewis Hall money, isn't he? And like Lewis Hall has literally done very little. Whereas, as you said, Gravenbach has won many titles with Ajax, full international. As you say, TC, it's a, it's a good. This this Premier League tax is in. You can really see it here. That's why a lot of clubs have technical directors now in place to be able to exploit these European markets, even the South American market. Those clubs who have got that technical director tend to be the more shrewd operators. Liverpool in years gone by had Michael Edwards doing that job for them and they've picked up a lot of good players for good money. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy who's in at Liverpool now, but they've replaced him, haven't they, on a short-term basis. Um, Sort of a six-month contract, I think it was. So again, Liverpool using the contacts that they've got to go and buy players for good money. And Gravenberg, he hasn't had a lot of football recently, but undoubtedly he's got quality that would add to what Liverpool have got, which, let's be honest, isn't very much in terms of depth. Toby, you just mentioned the word smooth operators. Would you call Man United a smooth operator? Absolutely not, mate. Um, Scott, Scott, are you really surprised? I'm I'm a bit surprised. I'm not surprised at all. (laughs) If anything, (laughs) I was surprised that the window started relatively um, smoothly and then they overspent on Hoyland after saying that they wouldn't meet the fee that they eventually paid Atalanta, and now they haven't got any money. I was going to say, are you surprised they haven't made more of an effort for Gravenberch? Well, yeah. I, I mean, the Eric Ten Hag, he used to play for him factor, is there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a prerequisite with any player Man United assignment in the last year. Uh, but, I mean, if it's a the line from United is, <laughs> we can't really afford to do too much. Uh, so maybe that has ruled them out and Graham they have they they're still interested in Sofia and Amrabat though maybe it was one or the other um but yeah, to be, they yeah. have moved in this week to be to be fair Amrabat's always appeared to be that one and we we've known that Scott haven't we for a number of weeks now personal terms already done in principle they knew what it took to get a deal done and that had been it had been spoken to to amongst the hierarchy although no bids had gone in they had spoken about what it would take for a deal and that's why the Fiorentina hierarchy were a bit upset where there was talk talks no official bid but there was talks about a loan offer um coming in and yeah we understand it wasn't a huge amount but it was the fact that it was suddenly a loan offer that that got Fiorentina's backs up can talks are ongoing as well. It's not they haven't shut the Fiorentina haven't shut the door. They were they are annoyed at United. They're annoyed at the way they've worked. I think as well they're annoyed at the way that they feel Amrabat's being treated by United. But hey, if he ends up in Man United red, United would say, well, that's it's done. It's fine, and the player's happy. It's United have been trying desperately trying to get Van der Beek out. He's ta- he's talking to another 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 few clubs as well. It doesn't look like Real Sociedad are coming back in for him now, but it looks like United are going to have to let him go on loan 
with options. I don't think anyone's going to put a mandatory fee in there for him, Scott, for Van der Beek. As you say, who, who would? You know, with someone with that injury record, you cannot put a mandatory fee in there. Um, it's going to have to be some sort of option for Van der Beek that if he plays a certain amount of games, it kicks in, maybe, if he starts 20 games, something like that. I think that's what will happen, and we will see Van der Beek leaving on Friday. Will we see Amrabat coming in? Could be a loan with an obligation, Graham. Sorry? Could be a loan with an obligation. For, for, Amr- for Amrabat. Amrabat? Yeah, I think it'll be a similar thing. I think it'll be a... I think... I think they'll have to pay a good loan fee and it'll have to have a it'll have to have the makeable option in there. You know, it's not gonna be if we win the Champions League, that's <laughs> our sort of option. I think it will be if he starts fifteen to twenty, it'll become permanent. I'd I am I'm, I'm not certain that Amrabat is gonna come in from what we're hearing from United's end. I don't think they're overly confident, but they are confident. They are confident he comes in. Ten Hag wants him, Ten Hag's made it clear he's the man. Um, I think it's the right way to go. I think Amrabat adds so much to this, to this midfield. I think it's the perfect capture for you at this moment in time. And I think it will happen. I'm not certain, but from what we're hearing, there is confidence there it will happen. Yeah, you might need some kind of uh, defensive presence in the midfield. Uh, they haven't really had it in the early weeks of the season. There's a theme here, Scott, isn't there? United getting very good at alienating clubs in negotiations. Amrabat. Uh, the Anthony deal was far from smooth. Hoyland, maybe not so much alienation there, but as you said before, caved. United, United caved. eventually caved. Mason Mount, I'd say that compromise was more in Chelsea's favour than it was in United's, um, given that you had such short amount of time left on his contract. United are still going to be paying for these mistakes in the years to come, and I think that's probably the most frustrating thing for you, is that Donny van der Beek is one example of a player they can't get rid of now. But you're going to be in this position in 12 months. You're probably going to be in this position in two years. You've got a raft of players who are going to get to the same point as Van der Beek, all on big money. You're not going to be able to get rid of them. And unless you change something within the club's hierarchy in terms of who's dealing with transfers, this is just going to be a road you keep going down. Well, that, that change has been made. You know, that, that change has been made. John Mercer is the one uh, pulling the strings now. Uh, Maybe there's arguably been some improvements. At least they're not paying, they're not giving Harry Maguire a new contract worth two hundred fifty thousand pounds a week at this moment in time. Um, but United are paying for uh, the the errors that they've made in the past. I tweeted as such yesterday, uh, and there was a sit-in protest after the the win over Forest last week from from the fans. There was thousands of fans there, anti-Glazer chants, peaceful protest. Um, but yeah, like this is the the years of mismanagement is now coming to bite them. And uh, they're going to be stuck. Are some... saying, Scott, that the mismanagement is because of the management that they've put in there is wrong? Yes. The mer- the mer- is... It's not about the money. It's about, in fact, John Murta, is he the right man? Is Richard Arnold the right man? That That's that's what the fans are not liking. Well, it's ob- obviously there's this multifaceted, right? You've got um, the fact that there's no other club in England who pays dividends to their owners. Uh, I know that those dividends haven't been taken for for a recent while, but I think they've taken 1.5 billion out of the club <laughs> over the past uh, 18 years or however long it's been. Uh, don't see anywhere anyone else doing that. Uh, you know, but that, that hasn't stopped you spending, though, has it? Well, the difference is um, Manchester City have come along and they they've have they have owners who've been willing to put up to two billion pounds into the club, whereas the Glazers have taken out 1.5. And yes, like United can still spend, but that's money that they they generate, you know, not 
owner back money. It's not a commitment that Todd Bowley's made to Chelsea, who's going to put £1.5 billion into the club over the course of the next 10 years or something like that. So United are they're having to clean up this mess and they're having to take uh, Chelsea rejects. Chelsea can now afford to spend 60-odd million quid on Mark Cucciarella one year ago and let them go on loan. We'll talk about Romelu Lukaku in a second as well. Uh, Cucciarella, we expect this one to happen, Graham. Yeah, um, loan agreement isn't far off. Um, don't think this one will include an option. But you know, when when if he if he goes on loan as well and then declares he wants to stay United, some of it, some of it, some of these options are a little bit overblown. You know, because remember, an option is only as good as what the player wants anyway. So you can have an option, but if a player doesn't want to sign it, um, it's not worth the paper it's written on. So um, it'd be interesting. I think if he goes there, does well, it will become a thing. Um, I don't think he's got a future at Chelsea under Pochettino anyway. So even no matter what he does at Old Trafford, um, but yeah, it's a sensible, sensible deal. Um, you can, as you say, you can cover cover left, you can cover centre half as well, Scott. So um, it makes sense, and um, yeah, it's it's not far away from the loan fee being agreed. Yeah, uh, I think that what people are seeing now uh, on the United side is. United are having to desperately, this is two transfer windows in a row where they're having to claw desperately to bring players in on loan because they haven't got any money left. And that, this is... But it's, in, do you know think part of that, Scott, is, is, is you just, you've, you've massively overpaid for, for for Mountain Highland. What was it, 120 million for them too? That's not terrible in comparison to what they've done. Oh, in it, the, is, it is, it is, so it is. Alvarez and, Alvarez, and, Alvarez and Kudos, who West Ham have signed, cost less than Highland. That's not right. Might not be, but this is a pattern that has been happening for ten mm, years. Yeah. As much as you want to, you want um, ten years plus. Even when Sir Alex, when they sold Ronaldo, do you think, do you think it's got it's that lack of? We still haven't seen that, and we we know United have been looking. It's that lack of a footballing presence in the hierarchy. We know Van der Sar, Ajax was linked, etc. But we United don't really have that. I know Murta's in there, but is he really a footballing figure? You you seem to lack that footballing. Authority who's made that the decision? Who put Edward Wood in charge? Yeah, of the exactly. Club. Yeah, yeah, in the hierarchy, that's yeah. a strange. Like Murta was always looked a strange one, didn't it? But you need that. You're still glaring for that um, that football hierarchy, like City have, like Aston Villa have just put into place. You know, like there's people out there, isn't it? And like like a Michael Edwards figure. That's what you need, isn't it? That's exactly the point I was going to make. These people in at United strike me as just pure businessmen. Forgive me, I don't know John Murta's background in terms of what he's done in football. Been from Everton. Well, that's not a ringing endorsement, is it? When you look at Everton's business as well over the next amount of years. Um, United have still got to address that. If they think John Murta is the fix, then I think they've clearly got a long way to go before they get themselves back in line. We are the, with the other clubs who are working smartly and who are working in uh, working on bringing in players for good fees. As Graham says, West Ham traditionally don't do great business, but They've done some smart deals this summer. Tim Steeden, right at the forefront of that. West Ham's technical director, a footballing brain, who's now in amongst the hierarchy in West Ham, able to operate in a way that they didn't do before. It's a it's a it's a very deep problem, but I think whichever way you look at it, whoever's putting these people in charge of the the business deals, it all rolls back to the people who own it. And there's a reason why they're trying to sell or. <laughs> Haven't sold yet. It's been a year nearly. Anyway, uh, let's let's talk about Chelsea. We've talked about Cucurella there. Uh, Chelsea exit list. We've got Romelu Lukaku officially joining Roma. That has been announced on Thursday. Uh, Graham, you have some details of the financial hit that he has taken in order to push this move through. 
Sorry, just replying to another agent there. Um, yes, Lukaku has um, taken. We understand around about a third. He's he's taken off his wages. So so like, let's not let's not start a collection plate up for him just yet. He's still getting he's still getting over seven million pound a year or something from Roma um, to make the move. He Chelsea aren't paying anything on this deal. So um, Roma really wanted it. Jose Mourinho behind it. Um, Good move for all, all everyone everyone involved in this. Um, that's my our belief is that Roma um, paying around about five million euros plus two or three additional um, as part of the loan. They're taking most wages. Chelsea not paying it, so that's why they lowered their loan fee. Um, yeah, everyone seems to be very happy. And he was announced um, is it this this morning officially announced. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, um, good deal for everyone involved. I think. Toby, just a line on this, since we're talking about bad transfers, is one of the worst transfers of all time? Yeah, absolutely. He's right up there with Coutinho to Barcelona, Eden Hazard to Real Madrid. Not because he's a bad player, but obviously, what did they pay? £97.5 million for him. Yeah, it's a shocking transfer. And there's going to be plenty more of those uh, for Chelsea in the coming years, I would dare say. Um, Hopefully, Lukaku gets it together in Serie A. And I made this point on the last pod, stay fit. Get in shape, stay fit, play some games. I think he'll score plenty of goals. Hopefully can push Roma towards qualifying for the Champions League. I'd imagine that that is the ambition now, uh, pairing Lukaku up with Dybala. That's what Jose Mourinho will be targeting. Uh, potential other exits, uh, Callum hudson Doy to Nottingham Forest, Graham? Yeah, um, I was I'm glad you touched on Nottingham Forest there, actually, Scott. Um, we've got, uh, yeah, hudson Doy not far away. Um, from finally getting that done, Forest are a fascinating team to keep an eye on. Um, the, the, we also understand that Wilfred Ndidi will be going there from Leicester. They also, and this is a player who Toby will know, know pretty well, Ibrahim Sangari, the PS3 Eindhoven midfielder, being told that they still haven't given up on him. He re- he sort of rejected them early in the window. Well, he did reject him, he was looking for a bigger move. Forest is still in there, that offer's still on the table. They're hoping to persuade him to come. He would be a fantastic addition. Him and Andreas Santos, wow. Um, it would be brilliant in there. And indeed, some very good business being done by Forrest. Again, as we alluded to, they brought Ross Wilson in from Rangers. Where it's, and from the car crash of a club it was last summer to now, you can see if you get it right upstairs, it's, it's going to be amazing what can happen at these clubs, isn't it? Um, and also with Forrest as well, just confirm, touching on Amberbat again, Scott, Forrest did not in Forrest have sources have confirmed to us they did not make a bid for, Nord, for Sophie and Amberbat. The, they were offered Despite to. He was speculation on social media. Yes, he was offered to the club, um, but they said they didn't get back to them. They weren't involved in that. So just to confirm, Amrabat wasn't um, a subject of a bid from Forest. But Ibrahim Sangari, really interesting one there. We'll do a story on that, and you'll be able to read that on the site. But want to keep an eye on. He's a very good player who could end up in the Premier League. Can I just say it's lovely to see Nottingham Forest remembering how they behaved in last year's window. In these final two weeks, they've been pretty quiet and suddenly Forest have come to the party and they've played a couple of Premier League games and they've decided, let's overhaul the whole lot. Um, but that midfield, as you say, Graham, don't forget they've got Danilo as well um, yeah. in there. So central midfield, they could be very well stocked if they get all of those transfers over the line. Let's talk Chelsea again. Because we're not done. Because when are we ever done with Chelsea? Chelsea are signing Cole Palmer from Manchester City. Now this has been—is this out of the blue? Or, Toby, let me let me come to you on this. Like, is this a surprise? Not out of the blue in terms of Chelsea 
suddenly plucking a name out of thin air, no. Um, Cole Palmer is obviously the profile of player that Mauricio Pochettino touched on in his press conference that you were at on Friday night, Scott. He doesn't want an out-and-out number nine. That's not what he's been looking for, despite our reservations on this pod about the options Chelsea have got. They've been looking for versatile forwards who can play anywhere across the front line. Uh, Cole Palmer has played on both the right and the left for Manchester City. Hasn't played too many first-team games, but has shown what he can do. Scored a goal in the Super Cup final, didn't he, against Sevilla? Um, Pep Guardiola, from his point of view, has always said any player who shows a desire to leave the club will be allowed to go. And he ruled out a loan for Cole Palmer in the aftermath of that game, saying he'll either stay or it will be a permanent transfer. We understand, or it is happening, a permanent transfer. As much as £45 million Chelsea are willing to, to pay for Cole Palmer. Don't forget they missed out on Michael Alise, Mohamed Kudus, two players of a similar profile to Cole Palmer. So they've been wanting to do this kind of deal. A uh, big risk for me. I think Cole Palmer's still got a lot to prove. The British price tax has come into play again. This is a huge amount of money for a player who hasn't done very much at the top level. But had a bright Euros for England, uh, under 21 Euros. He's clearly got a bright future ahead of him and needs to be playing games. So there must be a commitment there from Chelsea that he's going to get the opportunities that he possibly wouldn't get under Pep at Manchester City. But I don't think you can call it a surprise goal when it comes to Chelsea. We're not surprised by anything they do. Graham, are Chelsea going to sign anyone else after this or are they done, finally? Um, I think they might be done. Obviously, Cole Palmer came about after Michael Lise said no. Uh, Bradley Barcola as well, the Leon winger. Um, he's turned his back on interest. Looks like he'll be going to PSG um, along with Randall Cole and um, which will have a knock-on effect to Hugo Ekiteki as well, who we might talk about later in in Irons in the Fire. But, yeah, um, they say not. They say not doing anything. Conor Gallagher, it doesn't look like he's going at the minute. We've seen the Spurs interest. Chelsea want Gallagher to stay. They want to sign a new deal. However, if someone comes in offers 50 million, they will be prepared to let him go. We'll touch on him in a minute. Whether that happens, I don't know. Cole Palmer, 45. Um, it, it dep- I think it depends who Pochettino rates his players. He, he clearly, I don't think he's a big fan of Madawiki, judging by his lack of game time so far this season. He, he was a big fan. Yeah, um, and played quite well from what I, what I saw. Yeah, but I, I disagree. Yeah. I disagree with what TC said in the fact that he, he sounds like the player described by Poch. I don't think he is because Pochettino did say in that, Scott, you can confirm this, that he wanted someone who could play number nine as well, as well as out wide. So that's why we said it sounds like he's describing Brendan Johnson, who has played centrally for Wales and Forest a lot. Cole Palmer, I don't think, can play centrally at all. I think he's he's a good player. Reminds me a bit of Chris Waddle, actually. You know, that languid, wide man who can cut in. I think I think he's a hugely talented player, but he's done nothing in the game. And and from what my understanding is that as soon as City came in, they looked at it. But as soon as Palmer made it clear that he was not agitating, but he would look at it, he wanted to like City said, "Fine, there's the door, there's the door, mate, go on." Go and try it. Are you um, being unfair to Cole Palmer there? Doing nothing in the game at a good summer. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With England, uh, you know, he scored some recent goals for City in finals. Well, is he do- uh, yeah, I stand by that. He's done absolutely nothing in the game. <laughs> he's done absolutely no- nothing to warrant forty-five million pounds from Chelsea. He's, he's a he's a Man City, Manchester City fringe player who looks okay when he's come on. That's it. I think just to add on that, Palmer playing centrally line. I think if you play for Pep at Manchester City, you play anywhere across that front line, unless you're Erling Haaland you're straight down the middle. But Julian Alvarez, we've seen playing in multiple positions. I think Cole Palmer probably could. It would just depend on the system. He wouldn't be an out-and-out striker, but I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea's forward line is very fluid in terms of positional rotation. Raheem Sterling starring on the right-hand side right now. Obviously got Christopher Nkunku to come back into the side. They can all play all over the pitch. Um, It could just depend on the patterns of play in any particular game. And Cole Palmer's got some finishing ability about him that's for sure so if he popped up in central areas I don't think he'd be a disaster that's for sure but um a lot of money as I mentioned I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's done absolutely nothing but he's done very little that much you know I can admit but hey uh English tax you know mm. that, that. is it a bit weird that you see I know Chelsea have got a lot of young uh, youth players on their bench and we will talk more Chelsea in a second because we haven't got through Conor Gallagher it's a bit like it's, it's stuck out to me as Chelsea have spent their entire summer selling, not their entire summer, but the last few years, even selling academy players. Now they're buying one of cities. Strikes me as a bit weird, though. Pochettino even said in a press conference, didn't he, that he wanted to change the culture and philosophy around Chelsea and ensure that they could, um, what was the words he used, reinforce and energize the academy. I'm not sure whether or not buying young players from other people's academy is going to do that. Um, and he also touched on Chelsea being famous for bringing good players from the academy to the first team. If Chelsea keep on spending at the rate that they're doing so, it's going to be very difficult to see another Reese James break into Chelsea's team just because... John Terry and Reese James. It's their go-to, isn't it? They just go and spend instead to solve a problem. Uh, Levi Colwell obviously has come through, um, so he's another example recently. But, <laughs> but yeah. I think Chelsea, what the argument is, guys, Chelsea City, the way they see it, see it is that, you know, if... If you get to a certain level, we'll let you go and not stand in your way. I think that's how they actually do manage to um, convince a lot of young players to go down in the first place because they know that there's not going to be a um, a traffic jam for them. You know, if they are, if they are stuck behind a number of players, they do let them go. As Lewis Hall's just proven, which has moved to Newcastle. So I think there is there is positives to that. Where um, it's it just I think City with Palmer. They, they they thought they had shown him a route to the first team. I think that's why City were a bit surprised that, um, you know, like Lewis Hall, he really was behind three or four, even five players. But Cole Palmer, I say he was on the brink of a breakout, but um, it may give James McAtee someone like him another chance at City. Don't forget as well, Scott, one of Chelsea's brightest academy players, Callum Hudson-Odoi, was the subject of a 70 million rejected bid from Bayern Munich a couple of years ago. And now he's probably leaving the club for under 10. So that shows what can happen when you come from Chelsea's academy. Um, you can go from hero to zero in the space of a couple of years. Well, Conor Gallagher leave. Uh, Spurs interested. Toby, do, do we see this one happening? 
No, I think is the honest answer to that. I think Chelsea are happy for him to stay at the club and Graham said on the last podcast that if he does stay, they would actually look to extend his contract, which I believe runs until 2025. So they'd obviously then preserve long-term value for him. But that said, I think he's got a price. He's not untouchable. And if somebody did come in, say Spurs for £50 million, I think that would make Chelsea think. But can't see Tottenham doing that um, in the last couple of days of the window. They've got a lot of players to move on. And we've already touched on Brennan Johnson there. He is their number one focus. So if Spurs are going to spend big money on anybody, it's going to be Brennan Johnson and most likely not Conor Gallagher. Um, Because Spurs are quite well stocked there, aren't they? And if they can't get rid of Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, um, it would be even more of a surprise to see them add to their options. Yeah, Graham, just on Brennan Johnson, we've already touched on him previously, but um, he does seem to fit into what Ange wants to do at Spurs. And obviously this is with edging closer to the end of the transfer window, but Spurs do still have a bit of money to spend from selling Harry Kane. They do. And I think Johnson's a player they've been working hard on. You know, they, they have been linked to Ansu Fati, um, who's a player we'll touch on um, later in the pod. But I think Johnson's always been that one. You know, I think they've been buoyed by the fact that he's turned down Chelsea as well. Johnson, not turned him down, but he's really shunned their interest um, in favour of Spurs. I say I think he offers so much, Scott. I, I love Brendan Johnson. Um, obviously, being a championship watcher myself, I've seen him come on leaps and bounds. I think he can do an awful lot. I think he could be. He's a player. I think it could. He he's like the next. I think he's next Jared Bowen, but with a with even a bigger ceiling. I, I think I think he's great, Scott. As you, I imagine you agree, being, being from with the Welsh roots. I think he's great. I think he could be absolutely fantastic, and, and no better team at the moment to play for than this Tottenham team. I think Johnson could go there and, and be whatever he wants to be. I think he's that good. And I think that's why. And I think Spurs think that as well. And so I think they will pay 50. I think they'll go to a deal for 50 for him. And I think in this market, I think he's just about worth that. You know, this is English market. <laughs> it's English tax. Is he worth 50 million? No. Is he worth 50 million to a Premier League club? Yes, definitely. Um, I th- and I think um, I think they'll get this done. And as we see, Forrest are spending bits of money themselves. They've got Gibbs White still there. They'll do other things. But, yeah, I don't think they'll stand in his way if, uh, if Tottenham come up with this. And I think there's a good chance they will, from what we're hearing. Yes, indeed. He just needs to add a bit of killer instinct, is how I've, how I've uh, talked about him recently. But he's definitely got the tools. I can see exactly where he's going to fit in this Spurs team. He can play mm-hmm. up front, he can play, can play left. Generally, I think he would fit in on the right, though. Uh, and we'll see, but uh, you getting saw... him behind Scott as well. He loves getting him behind. Yeah. So on the end, on the end of Madison and Sarah and Basuma balls, you know, I think it sounds stupid. I think he suits his system better than Son and Kulisevsky do. Don't disagree. Anyway, let's uh, move on. Who's going to leave Spurs? I've got a list of players here. I mean, <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of Premier League clubs who just have a list of players that they want to offload that they can't really <laughs> offload, unless you're Chelsea. Um, but let's go through Spurs' list. We've talked about Eric Dyer already. Uh, but I've got Hugo Lloris, Sergio Reguilón, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, Davinson Sanchez, Brian Hill, and uh, Jaffet Tanganga as well. Graham, um, is there anyone in that list that you particularly want to talk about? And Toby, I'll ask you the same thing in a second. Um, we could have added Lucelso to that, but I think he's played his way into, from what hearing, into, into Ange's plans as well. I think he fits in quite well. Um, Tanganga and Sanchez both have a lot of interest from France. I think them two will go. 
Sanchez and Tanganga. Um, Hill, haven't heard too much on, but you would think someone in La Liga will take him. Heiberg, as we've spoken about, not too much him, and Regilon. Um, and yeah, and Hugo Lloris still there, amazingly. Um, yeah, I haven't heard too much on him. Obviously, he's been linked to Saudi, same as David De Gea. Um, but yeah, it's quite... Um, and if you look at that list as well, it's frightening to think what uh, that weekly wage of those players has got as well. Right? So it's, it's not just your United who've got to be lumbered with this. Um, it's most Premier League clubs. You know, when you're handing out these big deals, you are lumbered with some big money. So, um, yeah, it's a fa- fascinating to see how many players you have, you have to get rid of. Yeah. Uh, Toby, I'm, I'm just looking here slightly relieved, actually, uh, that United are actually trying to sign Sofia and Amrabat rather than Hoiberg. Yeah, I think Amrabat absolutely offers you more than what Pierre-Emil Hoiberg does. Although, do you remember when he first went in at Tottenham, they thought he was great. Um, he started off really <laughs> strongly Tottenham there. Yeah, very reactionary. Um, they soon saw his true colours and why he'd been playing for Southampton. Um, I think the interesting name on that list that you've just said there, Scott, is Hugo Lloris. The fact that he hasn't found another club yet. He's been in talks with Lazio in the past, but it's just kind of not really gone anywhere, that one. Spurs have obviously replaced him and he's on big money. To have him just sitting around for a year not doing anything is a bit of a financial disaster for Spurs, truth be told. So they'll be hoping that uh, that one more than anything, I think, comes back to life in some way, shape or form. Could I see Lloris going to Saudi? Yes, it's probably the right time in terms of age, but surprise. Still, t- still two weeks on that, Toby, as well. So with the Saudi deals, which we'll probably touch on, still two weeks left to go there. Uh... Surprised the club from France hasn't come back in for Hugo Lloris, take him home for the last couple of years of his career before he retires. But as we say, I think there's probably still legs in that one and Spurs will hope that there is, that's for sure. Let's talk. Is this the surprise of the window? Uh, Graham called it the other day, Ansu Fati potentially leaving Barcelona. We did not see Brighton coming though. But apparently, well, the way it's looking... Brighton a little bit worried because uh, they've been burned recently before. But Brighton getting Ansu Fati on a year's loan, Graham. Yeah, it, this emerged over the weekend. Um, reason, reason why I said on the last show that he was one to watch. Lamine Yamal um, has come through the system at, at Barca. The 16-year-old, he's been brilliant and he's in, involved now. We always said that Barca wanted four, four of those wide, two of those, two of the four wide players to go, didn't we? Dembele, Torres. Um, Rafinha and Fatty. Now, Deco's come in, Rafinha's old agent, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> Torres has actually been, from what I've read in Spain, he's performed really well and has impressed Abby. So he doesn't want to go either. And that was always problem with Fatty. He did not want to leave. Obviously, Dembele's left. He didn't want to leave. But I think with Yamal coming through, it really has persuaded his, him and his agent that, yeah, perhaps let's look at this. He has been offered around the, to the Premier League. Villa in Newcastle, long-term admirers of him. Um, Tottenham more recently, and Arsenal as well. From my understanding was that some of these Premier League clubs still weren't convinced that Fatty wanted to move, but it seems that he does. But it's Brighton who've come in. And now, if we look at what Brighton have tried to do in this window, perhaps it's not really a surprise. They wanted a wide forward. They tried to sign Mohamed Kudos. So it, it does tick that box, doesn't it? He's a perfect, not perfect, but he's a very similar type of player to Kudos, isn't he, in that regard? White can play out wide. And so, yeah, I think it's it's a fascinating one. Will, 
are they a Brighton a big enough club to convince Fatty to move? Seemingly, yes. George Mendes has gone to work on him. And I think the fact of playing in Europe probably helps. Um, Fatty knows them. He'll know about them. And Deserby's in charge. I know I know that Deserby's spoken to the player. So, yeah, Brighton are confident getting this done, but they want to do it quickly. It has to be, hey, the window's up, up in two days. They have a little choice. But as you said, they've been burnt before, Scott. But I think, yeah, there's confidence to get this one done. But, yeah, they're working very hard to get over the line. Um, biggest surprise of the window? Uh, I, I'm actually surprised, in, not in terms of the Brighton, I'm actually surprised Fatih has accepted to leave. I'm sure George Mendes is pulling, uh, has been pulling his hair out saying, You've had all, I've been trying to ask you all summer to leave and then you wait till the weekend before the window shuts to tell me you want to leave. Um, but yeah, I think it's a fascinating one. One of the most interesting deals of the window, certainly. Yeah, Toby, this seems a little bit like Brighton levelling up in a, in a sense. I know it's only a loan, but, you know, it's a different profile of player, right? High profile name. I know he's only 20 years old, but um, we've been talking about Ansu Fati in past years with Manchester United, Arsenal, when he first broke into Barcelona's team. He was tipped as the really next big thing at Barcelona. I know we say that every few years about players from their academy, but he was tipped for greatness. I think he can still achieve that. He's just been knocked and hampered by a few injury problems. Um, but Brighton... Big coup for them, I think. Europa League football is a massive factor in this move. I think Roberto De Zerbi is a massive factor in this move. If it was Graham Potter still in charge of Brighton, I don't think Ansu Fati would be saying yes to this. So you've got to factor in the fact that De Zerbi's got a bit of pulling power as well. And Brighton, they play really good, positive, entertaining football. They dominate the ball. Should be able to get the best out of Ansu Fati's qualities. Um, but I'm sure he'll have one eye on going back to Barcelona and breaking into their team. I don't think this is him accepting that his Barca career is over. I think it's just one of those things at the moment where Barca have got a lot of options. Ferran Torres ultimately, I think, will be the player that Barca wants to get rid of permanently, but the interest just isn't there. So Fatty for a year to Brighton, works for both parties, and then he goes back and he tries to challenge for a place next season. Well, generally, rule of thumb is if you join Brighton for, you know, on well, not on loan, but if you join them for a small fee within a year, you get elevated to about 80 million quid's worth of transfer fees so maybe Barcelona will come out a bit smelling smelling like roses but we'll see uh let's do Manchester City Graham Mateus Nunes is that's happening that looks like it's going to happen but City have had to give Wall something in exchange so how have they managed to pull this deal off Sorry, yeah. We did a report on Tuesday saying that Wolves were open to the prospect um, of of taking... Um, so I'm just going to message there, guys. We do believe Ansu Fati is en route to England as we speak. Um, so just a little update there for you. Um, yeah, we did a story, sorry, we did a story that Wolves were willing to take players in the deal, which was which is why this newest deal is getting done. It's basically very similar to what the offer was turned down for. £47 million, pound, but I think payment plans have changed. It's a little bit more um, more front for Wolves, etc. But they did say to Man City, we like James McAtee, uh, we like Tommy Doyle, and now Tommy Doyle is heading to Molyneux. The two clubs both stress, I think this is for FFP actually, that it's not part of the same deal. It's a separate deal. He'll be going on loan with an option, um, Tommy Doyle, but if you included him in there, it takes it about to 53, 55 towards that end. So it's it's heading towards 60 anyway. 
wants to get this deal. And, and there's a big sell on actually for, in the Tommy Doyle one. So yeah, Wolves happy getting a player that um, O'Neill wanted. And Nunes, they're making um, a bit of money on him, not a huge amount. They paid 42 million last summer for him. Um, but Sporting made some money last summer, didn't they? Selling Nunes and Paralina. <laughs> and they're both moving on. They'll be getting some hefty selling fees as well. Um, so oh, Just on Sporting as well, they've signed uh, Fresneda as well. So you can imagine that yeah. in a couple of years' time, they will be selling him for a lot of money. And Victor Guy Corris as well, obviously, who was a big star at Coventry this year. Um, yeah, so interesting Nunes going up there. He fills, um, fills a role. I, it's the most... Um, I think this is the most meh deal of the transfer window. <laughs> I really do. I just look at it and go, <laughs> I'd rather watch Calvin Phillips play, I think, than Matthias Nunes, to be honest. But if he's good, if anyone can get a tune out of him, it's going to be Pep. I think he might be one of those players we see in three to four weeks and go, wow, who knew this player existed? <laughs> we never saw this at Wolves. So interesting, you know, if, if Pep wants him, who are we to doubt it? Um, he doesn't get many wrong. Um, and City don't get many wrong either. So, yeah, interesting deal. I think it's a good deal for Wolves, getting Tommy Doyle as well, who will help them in the battle against relegation. And, uh, yeah, um, this one will be confirmed by tomorrow. Unfortunately, I have seen uh, Mateus Nunes perform quite well when Wolves tore Man United apart at Old Trafford and lost on the opening weekend of the season. But anyway, I wonder if you'll do that in the Manchester derby at any point soon this season. Let's talk irons in the fire. Toby, over to you. West Ham still looking to get a forward over the line uh, is the headline news. Yuri Alberto was one we spoke about on Tuesday's pod. Uh, difficult deal to do, though, with Corinthians. We said at the time that they didn't really want to sell. Um, we're asking for a big sell-on clause um, for Alberto, not something West Ham really wanted to work towards. So they're looking at other options, basically. They haven't been able to thrash out a deal. Um, West Ham probably more looking for a loan with an obligation or an option to buy. Um, so they've actually moved on to, we mentioned Hugo Ekiteki before, he's an option still. Also interesting, Brentford, Eintracht Frankfurt, very much still in the mix for him. And at this stage, Graham, I think we would say they are favourites for him, despite PSG's Randall Kolo Moani bid, which I think was €80 million Euros being turned down. Kolo Moani wants PSG, Ekiteki in an ideal world wants Frankfurt. But West Ham in the mix there. Uh, but they're also looking at Philip Kostic, Scott, who isn't a striker, but is a winger, um, could play wing back if absolutely needs to be. And I think West Ham looking at that player, potentially with Mohamed Kudus, Moyes wants to play him centrally. He can play out wide, which Graham's touched on earlier, but he's looking at him as a central option. So it might not be that West Ham bring a forward in because Kudus will be able to support Antonio, Danny Ings, it's not cast iron that he's going to be leaving West Ham. There's been interest from Everton, but nothing's really progressed there. And Kostic could actually be the one who West Ham bring in on the left-hand side. Actually tried to sign him last year, you might recall. Uh, and that would be West Ham's business complete. Um, decent window in the end for David Moyes. West Ham have strengthened a lot of key positions, but we think that they have to get one or two more in. Um to actually compete in the Europa League and in the Premier League, but still lots to be done on all fronts. Um, how long have we got? About 35 hours to go until the window closes at the time of speaking. Don't be surprised if a name crops up out of nowhere with West Ham. They're another club where things just kind of pop out of the woodwork. Um, but Kostic, I think, is one that West Ham fans can be excited about, but 
you could also put him in the meh category, couldn't you, Graham? He's past his peak, you might feel, and he's very much a player who could be hit or he could be a complete miss. He could be Maxwell Corne. Who is, yeah, also attracting interest, we believe. Um, hasn't really done a lot of West Ham, had a long-term injury problem. Um, so he could be another outgoing before the window closes. He was a regular fixture in the, in this podcast a year ago, wasn't he? Was it last year? It, it is a shot and dice disciple as well, isn't he? It wouldn't surprise me to see Everton make a lit for him and it, for Connie Annings. So I think um, that's maybe on the phone to his old friend, Mr. Moyes. Uh, let's round up a couple of quick stories. Clement Longley is on his way to Aston Villa. Uh, Arsenal have sold following Balogun to Monaco and taken a decent amount of cash for him. Permanent deal. Graham, I'll come back to you here. Do, do, we, do we think Arsenal will do anything of note before the transfer deadline? Or can we just... You can never say never, of course. But do we think that might be it? Yeah, it looks like that might be it, Scott. For them, they're ones who um, doesn't look like they're doing much, um, much else. Um, they've, they've looked around at a few. The the one I would keep an eye on might be Botello, the Gremio midfielder that they did like a lot. In the end, Gremio were just asking too much money, didn't happen. But given Edu's relationship with players in Brazil, wouldn't surprise me if we come back to that. I'll be making some calls on him. Um, told earlier in the week that. Unlikely now, but they still do like him a lot. Um, so yeah, but no, um, I'm surprised maybe that I haven't looked more of the right back. Could we see them move that? But Tommy Asu looks to be back involved again now, so because he's staying, I don't see them doing anything there. So, no, I think they're or basically probably the, maybe the only Premier League club as we stand, maybe with Newcastle, that are actively looking to do something before tomorrow. All right, so let's round off the show with uh, so this transfer window, the Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Pro League transfer window is still open for a number of weeks after the transfer deadline in England, much to the annoyance in some some quarters of uh, Premier League managers because Saudi Arabian teams do seem to have a lot of money and they are as much as they are willing to take off the hands of the likes of Chelsea some expensive mistakes, they're also showing that they're pretty capable of taking some of the world's highest profile players to their league when perhaps we didn't expect it to happen. Maybe, eh, I'll give it nine months ago, maybe longer, ten months ago, because obviously they, they took Ronaldo to uh, to Saudi Arabia after he was released by Man United. But, uh, Graham, there's a list of players that could potentially move to Saudi Arabia in the next couple of weeks. But let's talk about Mohamed Salah because this is still going on. Jurgen Klopp has essentially ruled it out, but they ain't taking no for an answer. No, um, it's our understanding, Scott, that um, Mo Salah wants to move. And there's a real belief um, in Saudi um, people close to Salah that this deal gets done. In the next two weeks, Mo Salah will, they believe, will move to Saudi Arabia. You'll be able to read our piece on this. He's he he wants to go. Um, is all well behind the scenes at Liverpool? No, we know that. We we read quotes from, um, which we carried um, interview with one of his good friends, Mahmoud Eid, who um, confirmed you know he's he's not he's not happy happy bunny under Jurgen Klopp. 
in, in, in his words. Um, he said, you know, the mistreatment as they see it um, in the Egyptian community, in the in the Arab community, they don't think he's been treated very well at Liverpool, missing out on the captaincy, etc. I think everything's building up to this. I think it's pointing towards this. I think, and as Toby said on the previous podcast, if there is £120 million on the table for a 31-year-old who is not getting any, he's not going to get any better, Yes, he's a world-class performer, but this is a Liverpool squad who is who's has, who has real depth in the forward department. One of the few clubs in the world who could probably lose a world-class forward, and not saying they won't notice him. Of course, anyone loses more salary than to notice. But Liverpool could cope. I think. I think he in two by the time the Saudi window shuts in two weeks, Scott. I think he will be in the Saudi Pro League. From what the people I'm speaking to, the source I'm speaking to, I think it's pointing towards that. I really do. Toby, we touched on a recent podcast about Salah's never-ending availability, really. He never really seems to get injured. He's always there. Uh, Graham kind of alluded to there that Liverpool maybe have enough to cope, but we haven't, we haven't seen it, really, have we? Yeah, we haven't needed to see what Liverpool can do in his absence. Um, he's been a constant throughout his time at Anfield. It just feels to me, as I said previously, that this is... It doesn't feel like the right time for Liverpool in terms of... They, I, I don't think they can cope without him, truth be told, because I, I'm not sure any of their forward options actually flourish on the right-hand side. But financially, I think it's too good maybe to turn down. Um, I know I said that the money would probably still be there next year, but can Liverpool run that risk? Maybe not. Um, what if Salah did pick up an injury this season? That could impact a potential price for him in the future. Um, if the will of the player is to go as well, are you really going to get the best out of Mo Salah for this season? Possibly not. Liverpool not competing in the Champions League. Don't forget they're in the Europa League this season. So they might be able to get by in European competition without Salah and spend big in January to kind of push on and seal a Champions League berth for next season. Um, Obviously, it'd be heartbreaking for Liverpool supporters to see him go. I think it would be the biggest of all of these Saudi transfers that we've seen. And God knows we've seen some big ones this summer, but this one would really rock football, wouldn't it? This is Salah at the very peak of his powers still, potentially going um, to a league where they've got, how many have they signed? 25, 30 top quality players this summer? Cristiano Ronaldo predicted this, didn't he? He said Saudi will be one of the top five leagues in the world. Everybody laughed. Everybody scoffed at him and we thought, what's he talking about? And this was the quality. What, what you say, Toby? What you say, Toby? He would remember. Let's forget you talk about Ronaldo. He would become the highest paid player. This is a deal that would see him become the highest paid player in the world. He would, he would get Ronaldo money and more because of this, um, as you say, for the Saudi thing, Toby. Interesting indeed. Obviously, as I as I mentioned there, uh, the Saudi Arabia Saudi Pro League transfer window remains open, so there is nothing to stop. It's gonna this this next two weeks, Scott. I think is going to a lot of these Premier, some quite a few of these Premier leagues could be impacted by Saudi here because they'll be signing players that some clubs aren't aren't looking to lose, um, and and they'll come in with big deals, players players who perhaps weren't expected. A name being mentioned to me is, for instance, Brighton Solly March has been mentioned to me. Look out for him in the next two weeks. It's it's staggering. It, I, th- I, th- I don't think there's many players who are safe, and you know, and Brighton, Brighton don't like selling players, but we know that Brighton do sell at a price. 
we know that they, they've, pro- they've proven that. Yeah, it's a big price. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think next two weeks the Premier League could be the. the I think you just we talked. You two talked about last show where Arteta said something and Klopp had alluded to it as well. I think we're going to see a lot. We're going to see a lot of unhappy Premier League managers in the next two weeks because there's going to be some players who we're not even talking about now who head to Saudi Arabia. This has got to be the last window, right? That they can allow this to happen. They're going to have to bring the Saudi transfer window yeah, in line with Europe. Right, it's, it's different rules. I said, like... if I was Saudi, I've always, I've always said this on the show, guys, if you remember. I've always said the Premier League should be open a month after the rest of Europe. Continue your domination. Why, why should we shut the same time as Spain? Leave it open. Let the Premier League dominate. I've always said that. And and Saudi doing that now. Why is the Premier League shut at the end of... We should we should to suit the Italian and Spanish because they're petrified of what the Premier League do. And again, as we said, there's going to be Premier League players there. There's going to be some Italian and Spanish based players leave as well. Um, but I, I don't think there's anything. FIFA aren't going to do anything about Saudi. I don't think TCR and UEFA can bang the fist as well. But you know, all the UEFA will do is invite them into the Champions League anyway. So I don't think there's anything they can do. If anything, I think the Saudis will probably keep it open longer next time. Shall we rewind to rewind football 20 years, Scott? Abolish the transfer window. Do you remember the good old days when you could just sign players up until, what was it, the last week of March? Yeah, it was Easter Easter time, wasn't it? Yeah, Easter Easter time on CFAX where you could sign the player. But... um, Yeah, but the managers... Yeah, the managers won't be happy. They'll be banging... They'll be... uh, They want these squads settled, but... um, there won't be very much settled squads when they lose the players to Saudi. But and 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 I don't think the owners will be banging much on the table, Toby, because they're the ones who are really benefiting from these big fees as well. So um, some of these owners could say no, but they won't be. Graham himself loves the transfer window so much; he just wants to stay open all the time. Anyway, uh, any final notes, Graham? There was a couple of other players you were you were going to mention, I think, about Saudi Arabia. Um, Damari Gray, keeping on him. It's not Al Shabab, but I think um, it will. He will be going there. Um, I, I'm hearing that Alex Awobi has a lot of interest inside as well, but he probably got to Fulham from Everton. Um, so Everton will be doing the deals. But I said I think there's quite a few players who we we don't know about Scott who will be heading to Saudi in these two weeks. Um, so maybe not by tomorrow, but by next week. Um, there's going to be a lot of unhappy managers. That's what I'm going to be. And Jurgen Klopp is going to be one of them. Well, maybe uh, talking transfers can go... Well, maybe we've got a focus for the next couple of episodes anyway, just because the transfer window is closing across Europe over the next couple of days and closing in England. At, it's 11pm uh, British summertime time uh, on September the 1st. So we are... Uh, I don't know. I'm not very good at hours. And what did you say earlier in the show, Toby? 35 hours? 35 hours to go. Yeah. 35 hours. As we record this, this will be out later on Thursday. But yes, this has been Talking Transfers. Probably the last one of uh, the current transfer window, but we will be back soon after it closes to talk about and reflect on everything that has happened in this madness of a transfer window. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you've got this far, I'm Scott, joined by Graham and Toby, as per usual. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us all on social media now at double underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey nightmin.com for all the latest nightmin.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest transfer news and nightmin underscore football on social media for all the latest join the conversation and we'll see you soon enjoy transfer deadline day if you can Uh, and we'll see you soon everyone for another talking transfers nice buns soft fluffy and ultra low net carbs 
Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.